Welcome to episode 144 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church, for Christ Church, and for all who would care to listen in. My name is John Payne. I'm the senior minister of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm here uh, with my good friend, Dr. Gabriel Williams. Good to see you, Gabe. Good to see you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, it's a great time of year, and uh, it's a good time to reflect upon uh, Christmas. It's on everybody's minds, and so why not uh, just uh, stir things up a little bit and talk about some of the positives, maybe some of the negatives of this time of year. Um, but uh, also thought it would be good for us uh, perhaps to, to discuss the difference between what some would call cultural Christmas and, and what we would call the true historic Christmas, uh, that which we reflect upon at Christ Church, and how those two things this time of year really form a kind of microcosm of all of life, of how there's a kind of message being sent from the world about what we should put our hope and our trust in, and uh, the message we receive from the Lord uh, in His Word, that which we should put our hope uh, in our and our trust in. One being temporal, one of course being eternal and having eternal implications. And so, I wanted to begin, uh, Gabe, by reading uh, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, the birth narrative in chapter two where it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So here we have uh, the Christmas story, uh, that which is not myth or fable. Uh, it's not a fairy tale. Uh, when we gather together on the Lord's Day, and sing as did the angels and the shepherds and Mary and Zechariah in the early chapters of Luke. We sing not just to make melody, not just to feel good, but we sing with conviction because we believe these things to be true. This is how we approach Christmas in terms of our celebration of and reflection upon the incarnation and birth of Jesus Christ in human history that these things actually happened, and that it happened in order to save us from, as the hymnist says, from the depths of hell. Uh, we've come to be delivered by this Savior that was born in Bethlehem, who is Christ the Lord. But, Gabe, I thought it might be interesting to talk about how the Christmas of the world, of course, has a very different message and a very different approach. Um, and... It's one of, of glory, one of possessions, power, money, commercialism. Uh, of course, there are some nice aspects to it, even from a cultural side in terms of being with family and, and, and food and, and all of these things. But it's interesting when you think about this, it really is kind of a microcosm of all of life and the way the world tries to draw us in with, with its promises and the way God declares his promises to us, and uh, they're put right before us. 
I think the first thing that we all recognize just in terms of what happens when we go outside is just think about the commercial aspect of the Christmas holiday. And so most of you probably know or have already experienced it that as soon as Halloween finishes, you're seeing Christmas decorations being put up. And when you look at the Christmas decorations and you just kind of think of this from a marketing point of view, what the marketer wants you to do is to tap into the nostalgia that you remember regarding all of your past Christmases or maybe the nostalgia for something that you may not have had personally, but you have the warm kind of sentimental feelings that are, that are there. And it's important for a marketer to do that because otherwise you're not going to overspend. You're not going to put yourself in debt to make that feeling work. And then you think about just how our society itself even kind of conceptualizing it. And so one of the things I distinctly remember as a, a child is I remember the when the Charlie Brown Christmas used to come on TV. And one of the big themes of that show, of that particular movie, is how every single person has their own distinct Christmas, basically. Some people view Christmas as a tirade, view as a tirade against all things related to materialism because of the shopping that happens. Some people have a view of Christmas is that you just think about the snow, you think about the actual scenes you've seen in kind of 1950s Norman Rockwell sort of paintings, basically. You have others who think of Christmas purely in terms of the gifts they're going to get. And so when I was a kid, I think about all of the things I wanted to get and I had kind of poked my parents in different ways to kind of buy. And so you have this anticipation that's being built that is based upon primarily yourself and the feelings that you have around the whole holiday. But if you think about that in terms of just overall societal trends, that's virtually every holiday that we do now. All holidays in some way or fashion have been abstracted from the original reason that existed as a holy day. And is now a reason for us to, in some way or fashion, center upon our feelings about the day, center upon the, uh, the feelings that happen when we receive something that we like. We are around family typically, so it's part of those sort of things. And what happens is that we take a sentimental approach and it almost pulls us away from the actual meaning. And so at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas, that's the shocking thing of the whole episode, is the whole movie, is that it ends just by reading Matthew chapter one, <laughs> basically. It ends by just reading the gospel account. So what is the meaning of Christmas? And then you basically get Linus that comes up and says, here's the Bible, and he reads it. And that's the meaning. And everything that Charlie thinks about what he heard is like, huh, I guess that's right. And it's actually, a quite a powerful moment. I mean, it's a little cheesy cartoon, and yet uh, it's it's powerful because God's word is brought out and is read, and the true meaning is set set forth. And you know, uh, Gabe, so there's so much of a therapeutic dynamic going on as well in, in the days of Christmas, and of course, it affects all of us. 
But there are those, there's a reason why people put, put up their Christmas trees, you know, the first week in November and don't take them down until February. Um, it's because there's a dynamic there where people are really wanting to hang on to that Christmas feeling, that Christmas spirit and that Christmas hope. And they can't really bring definition to it, except that I think that what's happened is a lot of the marketers and people that are trying to get into our wallets are trying to reinforce something that doesn't exist. Um, really, and there's no real hope there. Um, and you know what's interesting is the Christmas story, the true Christmas story, isn't uh, all one of of singing and rejoicing. There's also uh, pain. You know, you had Herod, of course, uh, killing uh, all of those children in order to get at Christ uh, because he was threatened in his uh, position of power because he'd heard that a king had been born. Um, and you have the words to to, to Mary. Uh, where um, it is said uh, to her by Simeon, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And, you know, many believe that is a prophecy of of when Mary would see her own son uh, killed one day, um, executed on a cross. Uh, And so this child was born... Uh, to die uh, for his people. And, uh, you know, it's not the first thing you think about when you have a baby is that this, ch- this child's one day going to die. Um, but that is the reason why he came. He came to purchase redemption uh, for us. And that's the truth. And that's the truth that is sobering. And so Christmas is a time of rejoicing, but it's also a sobering time. We realize why Jesus came. And you know, you remember that line in Miracle on 34th Street where uh, while the, the lawyer is trying to defend Santa and prove that Santa is real, he walks up to the judge and says, um, what's better, uh, a, a truth that brings a tear or a lie that brings a smile? And you really sum up the cultural Christmas that way that, you know, people want to to make such a big deal. I think primarily the unbelieving world, they want to make such a big deal of the kind of Americana Santa and giving their kids this big experience and even telling kids, you know, that this is all real, that Santa's bringing presents down the chimney and this is all happening and that, that whole experience. And meanwhile, you know, the gospel story is on the very margins, if they're at all. And that is actually the real and true meaning of Christmas. And this is part of the tragedy, actually, of how our society has become much more secular. And this is not just a statement of the last 20 years that's been rapidly accelerating. But one of the reasons there were so many, if you think about how people have nostalgia of Christmas, it's primarily 1940s through 1960s. And we should not think that was a beacon of orthodoxy. There was a, you can say a deliberate or whatever intent you want to use there, but there was already a blending of thinking of Christmas as the mythological story to bring people together. And that's why so much of the Christmas music that we hear from that era is not necessarily the great hymns of the faith. It's all of the, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas sort of things. It's 
trying to kind of tap into a more mythological feeling for what Christmas is. And one needs to be careful of this, particularly uh, parents of young children, to know that there is that syncretism that goes on trying to blend the so-called cultural Christmas with the true Christmas. Uh, Things as tacky as, you know, um, nativities where Santa's down, bowing down to the baby Jesus along with the three wise men. Um, Or I heard or read about recently uh, in Asia, uh, someone who had written this book I read had had seen or, or knew someone that had seen uh, the seven dwarves bowing down to the baby Jesus who is wearing a Santa outfit, you know? I mean, that that's the kind of thing you have. And while those are extreme cases, we need to be careful that as we raise our children in the nurture and instruction of the Lord and and want to, you know, celebrate these things, that we are very clear with our kids um, and teaching them what this time of year is is truly all about and the other stuff it's just they're fun things to do uh, but it's not the main thing so then part of the growing secular trend of society has been christmas has taken on much less altruism than it used to in the past and so part of and this is part of my own upbringing many other people are new part of the christmas kind of american experience was that on one end you receive gifts, on the other end you always had all of these stories about considering those around you who are obviously struggling, very much less fortunate. And think about all of the movies that surround that theme. Think about the character of Scrooge, (laughs) essentially, in terms of kind of American literature. And part of the the trend of our society because you become more self-oriented that sort of care and love for neighbor that used to characterize his idea has also kind of been pushed aside to the end. You think of the final scene of It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I mean, I, I think I've seen that movie 20 times, and every single time I watch that, I am just moved to tears at that last scene of the entire community coming in and uh, providing the money needed to uh, repay the bank because, of course, um, oh, what's his name? The, the yeah, the, the guy who stole the money. And, um, uh, and so, you know, that kind of uh, small town, mutual care for your neighbor, we've, we've lost a lot of that. Well, because we've become so industrialized and very privatized and driving into our Uh, garages and closing it and you know uh, and not really having those kinds of relationships anymore Uh, and that's true even of many people in churches where they have fellow church members that they don't really know don't know anything about them uh, and just kind of come and go and stay um, you know very much out of the center of church life Uh, and so yeah you're right Gabe I mean we've lost a lot of that And, and, and so much of it is because of the commercialization and heightened technologies of advertisements constantly coming across our, our screens and it's it's all about me 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 yeah exactly and that means when we kind of contrast the the negatives of the cultural christmas idea with how christians have historically understood this day i i think the word holiday as holy day is meant to ring something in the air so of course we're not 
uh, in terms of our own tradition, we don't have a, a strict following of the church calendar such that we follow every feast that occurs on the calendar itself. But when we think about what a holiday is, it's meant for us to pause, to reflect upon the meaning and content that's given there. And that's why I think one of the great Christian, American Christian traditions, and it's done in other places, is the singing of carols. Because many of our carol singing is just the glorious, great doctrines of the Incarnation just repeated. And I've mentioned this to you before, Pastor John, that if you think about the best hymnody that kind of works across all denominations, it's usually our Christmas hymnody. Because most of that is just a retelling and a repeating of what we understand the Incarnation to be. And so that means when we sing these things together, we sing to our neighbors, we sing in our homes, we're actually singing about things that are written in creeds and confessions. So whereas I know today it's not very well known and popular for many families to do standard catechesis, it's remarkable how many people know good theology because they were hearing carols growing up. That's the reason why people know what very God and very God means. That's why when we sing joy to the world, we actually have a reference to the curse and the actual fact that Christ overcomes that curse. So many of our carol singing as Christians is meant to basically, in some way, be a add-on or a supplement to what a good catechism would do. And that's why one of the great traditions that uh, kind of keeps the actual message of Christmas there is remembering that when we are singing carols, we're just singing creeds and confessions repeated and repackaged in different ways. Amen. And so um, I do want to use that as we bring this uh, to a close to issue an invitation uh, to all of our members as well as any others that might be in the Charleston area on Christmas Eve, uh, which is on a Lord's Day. It's on a Sunday this year. Uh, but our, our evening service will be a lessons and carols service, which will be a series of readings of prophecy and fulfillment from Old and New Testament by uh, the elders, uh, and also the singing of many Christmas carols. Um, and then, of course, uh, a sermon on, uh, on a birth narrative uh, from one of the Gospels. And so uh, we want to invite you to come and to take part in that. If you have family in town, bring them. It's a wonderful time of, uh, of worship and, and reflection upon the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, it's been great to uh, be with you today, Gabe, and uh, let's uh, rejoice in the Lord and in His goodness and faithfulness to us in the gospel. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you, uh, our listeners, next time on Between the Times.